Hello and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corcor Foundation for Mental Health. I'm Terry, the creator and co-host of this podcast. I've lived with depression most of my life, and I know how easy it can be to feel all alone in the experience. I'm not alone, and you aren't either. And I'm Dr. Anita Sands, a licensed clinical psychologist with a number of my own diagnoses, all of which bring a certain amount of anxiety and depression along with them. There is great power in shared experiences. We share our own as we engage in intimate and candid conversations with our weekly guests, exploring different perspectives on and experiences with depression. We keep it real because depression is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. Hello, Anita. Hi, Terry. Today, we continue our four-episode series on the stigma of mental illness. We began last week with a leading stigma researcher whose work proves the value of shared first-person stories of lived experience in fighting misconceptions about depression and other mood disorders. And today, we'll be featuring a number of previous Giving Voice guests and followers on social media who we asked about their personal experience of any prejudice or discrimination based on their diagnoses and what the real-life consequences of that ignorance has been for them. Next week, we'll look at how the lives of people with any kind of mental health challenge would be better and safer if stigma was reduced or eliminated. So, why does it matter if there's stigma? Why should you care? Or how can you make others take note of the impact? Because stigma can not only worsen one's mental condition, but it also impacts or delays whether a person seeks help or treatment and ultimately impacts their ability to manage and recover from their condition. Quoting from research published by our guest from last week, Dr. Patrick Corrigan, people with mental illness have long experienced prejudice and discrimination. Public stigma is the most prominent form observed and studied. It represents prejudice and discrimination directed at a group by the larger population. And then there's self-stigma, which occurs when a person internalizes those public attitudes and suffers numerous negative consequences as a result. In this episode, you'll hear about stigma and its impact from the proverbial horse's mouths, fellow podcast listeners and depression sufferers who know about it firsthand. We posted two questions online for this episode. The first was, is there still stigma around depression and mental illness in general? One reply came in all caps, oh yes, followed by four exclamation points. And it continued, we've come a long way, but have a long way to go. I use FMLA, that's the Family and Medical Leave Act at work, and I feel shunned because of it. Certainly, no one ever asks how I'm doing. If I had cancer, there would be flowers, meals, and cards. Sadly, there's none of that when you struggle with mental illness. True. They always say it's not a casserole illness, right? Mm-hmm. Another reply came from a member of our Facebook community who wrote, I am 70 and have had to deal with the stigma of mental illness having been diagnosed with bipolar. I let people get to know me first, and some get to know about my mental illness, and some don't. It's much better than it used to be although there are still assumptions made. 
Here's how a few of our previous podcast guests replied to those same questions. Is there a stigma? Absolutely. And and it's it's a stigma that I think really is starting to shift, but I think it, it prevents us from getting where we need to be with depression. Stigma is alive and well. People are still discriminated against and they feel they don't have access to services. They, when they do have services, they often feel they aren't treated kindly and respectfully. I think I've experienced a stigma just in that it isn't something people generally talk about. People will talk about other mental health issues, um, especially growing up. I remember like hearing about ADHD or hearing about like seasonal affective disorder, um, but not really as much about depression. I have never felt comfortable telling any of my employers that I have depression for like the fear of them not hiring me, me being a complication or them considering that I am unreliable. Yeah, I feel like there's a real association with like either laziness or people thinking that like, okay, if there are days where someone is feeling particularly low and says that they can't, that, that there's some argument against that. And I think that that's where the stigma comes in. Ooh, that is a feeling a lot of us can relate to. That feeling of, I can't, I just can't, which of course includes a range of what we can't do depending on the person the day, and the severity of depression. The can't can be just, I can't go to the movie. I can't follow through with whatever plans we made. Or it can be, I can't be who you'd like me to be right now. I can't be bubbly or engaged or humorous or whatever someone, including ourselves, is expecting of us. It can be, I can't make the meeting. I can't make the deadline. I can't get out of bed. I can't shower. Or I can't imagine going through another day feeling or not feeling this way. It can be any of those things and lots of others. Mm -hmm. It boils down to people not being able to reveal a real part of themselves, sometimes an overwhelming part of themselves, mainly for fear of being judged. Mm -hmm. So stigma can cause some people to try to avoid or separate from or suppress what they're experiencing. And all of that is, of course, linked to the worsening of their well-being because you won't even allow yourself to be aware of it because it's perceived as not being acceptable. Here are more of our guests' firsthand experiences with stigma. It's never treated as, okay, here's this information, now let's deal with it in the appropriate way. That was never the first step. The first step was always judgment. Now it's more out there, but you still have the stigmas. You know, there's a lot of, um, like I said earlier, a lot of shame around it. One of the hardest times I've experienced with the depression was when I was pregnant. That was one of the times when there was the most stigma for me to talking about it. Because to say that you're depressed when you're pregnant, I mean, people just like do not understand that. I think in sort of my own intersections of like being a queer identified person, being a person who goes to church, both of those spaces are ones um, where depression isn't always spoken of. But it's hard to talk about and it's not polite conversation. It's not sexy. It's not the sort of like, ooh, kind of topic. Uh, which then lends a stigma to it because if we can't talk about it, then there's a reason we're not talking about it. That last comment from Reed makes such an interesting point. If we believe there are reasons not to talk about depression, the obvious next logical leap 
is that there's something really wrong with it or wrong with us. Mm -hmm. A recent article entitled Stigma and Depression, What's It All About? from SciComm quotes Terry Brister, who is the Chief Program Officer for Research Support and Education of the National Alliance of Mental Illness, or NAMI. And Terry says, stigma and self-stigma is still alive and well. As a result, people don't consider their mental health first. They're more apt to describe their difficulties to anything besides a mood disorder. They say, maybe I have a thyroid disorder, maybe I'm just tired. Brister explains, unfortunately, this approach translates into a long lag between the onset of symptoms and getting diagnosed and treated. I think, at least for me, that that is the most dangerous effect of stigma. I distinctly remember what I now recognize as symptoms of pretty serious depression when I was a preteen or an early teen. And I was in my mid-20s before I brought it up to a doctor and started treatment. Not because I was hiding it, but because I just didn't know it was anything other than me. Mm -hmm. And you know, Terry, you would expect there to be a long lag between the time of experiencing symptoms and seeking treatment, especially if the disorder was uncommon, rare, or if doctors themselves weren't even very familiar about it. But this isn't the case with depression. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all known about this for literally centuries. And doctors are probably more familiar now uh, with the presenting signs of depression than at any other time in history. Right. So I think it's likely stigma that's causing um, it's causing the lag. You know, the person with depression doesn't want to believe they have it and or the people around them might not want to believe that they have it. And that's where the, d- the delay is coming from. And I don't think that's just your opinion or academic or theoretical that fear of discrimination or judgment discourages people, many people, from getting the help and support and treatment they need. Mm -hmm. We, in the comments that we got when we posted asking for them, another person wrote, Stigma has forced me to say that I have a physical illness at work instead of admitting my mental illness. I was afraid of the ridicule and lack of understanding from my boss. Wow. That's that's some pretty harsh treatment, you know. Mm-hmm. Ridicule means that other people are mocking you or holding you in contempt. Yes. Um, yeah, the complete opposite of empathy and understanding. So here are some more comments from our previous podcast guests. Everyone has different information and not all of it's correct. Uh, there's so many problems with having the stigma. Obviously, the rate of suicide in teens, the the, the broken hearts that of, of people who don't understand what's happening to their to their parents, to their siblings, to their kids. If they had access to and did not feel like going to go see a therapist meant that they had to make some sort of admission of weakness, that things would be a lot different. It perpetuates depression in that, like, if you can't talk about it, you can't get out of it and you can't see that there are shared experiences. I would say my whole life, I've never really told people that I had depression. The way that people think, well, I'm not crazy. Like I'm not suicidal or something like that. Why would I have to go and see a therapist? Unfortunately, it took me getting to a place of desperation before I was able to move past that stigma. I don't want people to think that they can't reveal uh, what's really going on with them until, you know, they want to kill themselves. 
that last point here is one that we really want to unpack a bit. Think of any other potentially fatal illness, including heart disease or cancer. Information and prevention efforts are well-known, they're well-funded, widely disseminated, and widely discussed. Now, prevention is considered key to reducing the number of deaths associated with those illnesses, but there still isn't the same perceived urgency or level of public concern and buy-in to teach and know the warning signs of and the treatments for serious mental illnesses. And that is so true because when I think of, again, I don't, it's, I'm not doing a, it's all about me, but I'm relating this information to me. When I had my worst depression, I didn't know it was depression. Mm-hmm. And, and if I had the signs of a heart attack, even the ones for a woman, which are different, I think I would know it because I've read so many articles about it. Now that's changing. We're seeing it a mm-hmm. lot more than we used to see it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back just 10 years ago, I didn't recognize my symptoms as depression because I had never been taught them. I have to take some responsibility. I also didn't go online and look. But what do you look for mm-hmm. when, you know, it's not like what are the signs of depression if you don't know you have depression? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to see that it's changing. Me um, Mental Health America, which is a national organization, promotes a before stage four philosophy, making the association with cancer, advocating for education, prevention, and early intervention. On their website, it says, when people first begin to experience symptoms such as a loss of sleep, feeling tired for no reason, feeling low, feeling anxious, or hearing voices, we should act. By ignoring those symptoms, we lose, here's that number again, 10 years Mm. in which we could intervene in order to change people's lives for the better. Yeah, there should be no shame related to the experience of, of having mental illness and getting the help that you need as soon as you recognize something something is wrong you may not know what it is mm-hmm. but just knowing that you're not your normal self that should be reason enough to to get checked out and get help yet some people do still feel it and another comment we got this one from amber said i just want to say that i most definitely get discriminated against for being on social security disability because i have bipolar depression if i said i have ms people would give me a sympathetic look and acknowledge that it's okay. It's just so hard with the judgments, like I'm less than for being on disability. For my very real illness, it's frustrating. Mm, Beyond frustrating. It's unacceptable. It is unacceptable. And again, it's changing. You know, Mm -hmm. I think pretty much everybody would acknowledge that. I think COVID had a lot to do with it because it just opened up the discussion. Businesses had to start acknowledging that Mm -hmm. people were struggling. um, Mm -hmm. And, and that was a little easier, perhaps, to ignore before. But there's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Okay, we want to end with a quote from Why Is There So Much Stigma Surrounding Mental Illness from findmind.org. Clearly, a lack of education of mental illnesses and mental disorders contributes to the stigma seen today. For that to change, people must know they aren't alone. Those struggling are afraid to speak up because they don't want to be called attention seekers. Many people who live with a mental illness are labeled, which comes with expectations that can limit the way that they're viewed. Consequently, these labels can be paired with stigmatizing beliefs that prevent people from speaking out. So it's more important than ever, with mental illnesses on the rise, that we educate ourselves about mental health stigma and work towards eradicating it for the health and well-being of society. 
which is interesting, right? It's not just the health and well-being of the person mm-hmm. with depression or another mental health disorder. It's, it's, it's society, right? We will we'll all function better if we're all functioning better together. That is so true. We next week are going to look at just how life would be different and better if stigma was eliminated, which may be a dream, but at least lessened. And we'll hear again from some of our previous guests and some of the people who have written on our Facebook community page or commented on our other social media platforms. So we will be back next Tuesday with more. Sounds good. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate and reflect on your own experience with depression, or better understand how to support someone else who is struggling. If this episode has been of comfort or value to you, know that there are hundreds of others like it in our archive, which you can easily find at our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up, even if it's hard. If someone else is struggling, take the time to listen 